from KMOX Sports. The bases are loaded. This is the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Line. Swing it along with the left. Meyer Jensen, a personal injury law firm. Because sometimes the gloves have to come off. MeyerJensen.com. He hits one deep to left field. You That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. It's a with special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center. This is Sports Open Line on KMOX. Well, good to be with you on a Friday night. Got a little uh, day off to recover for Cardinals fans. I'm, I'm not, I don't love these like, you know, day open dates after opening day, but I get it. I mean, you know, if you have a rain out on opening day, you want to make it up like right away. You don't want to push because people really pay premiums to get opening day tickets. So. You know, if the game gets rained out and it gets pushed to, like, June, well, that doesn't help anybody that bought opening day tickets. It just means game two tickets are now opening day tickets, and those people didn't. So, I, I mean, I totally get it. All good. I just wish there was a game today. That's all. Now, there are other games today, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the Cardinals and the Pirates, but they'll be back here on KMLX tomorrow afternoon, so you'll get your fix uh, when you get here. At, well, you won't have to get here. Um, some people will be here. Uh, you'll You just tune in. Right there at uh, 115 for the first pitch. 1220 if you want to catch all of our good pregame stuff. And uh, we'll have Cardinals and Pirates game two. Got a lot that I want to get to tonight related to opening day. Some questions that I think are early season questions. Um, certainly, you know, nobody should be cutting up paper to make confetti for a World Series parade after one game. Uh, but that doesn't mean we have to crap on one game either and be like, well, you know, it's just one game against the Pirates. Like, okay, yeah, we know, we know, we get the concept and, and, and we understand the context, but it's still a good start, right? I mean, you play a team that you're better than and you beat them nine, nothing, and you don't really have any glaring problems. It's a, it's okay to be happy about that and just point those things out. And that's what happened yesterday. The Cardinals got off to a good start. The things that you would like the better team to do. Well, the Cardinals did them. They held the other team to no runs. You know, they, they didn't give away a bunch of free passes, no extra base hits. You didn't give them anything in the field. Your defense was good. You, you hit the home, hit the ball over the fence, drew a bunch of walks, ended up with 15 base runners overall. Like all of these things worked out great. And, and look, you know, it's great that it, it happened too on a day where you have so much going on at the ballpark, right? I mean, yesterday, you know, opening day is always loaded, right? O- opening day is always fun and emotional and bringing back memories. And it's so cool to see all the red jackets out there. And it was even more cool yesterday when you had the soon to be red jackets out there too. How cool was that to see Yachty and Wayno and Albert introduced separately from the rest of the roster, right? I mean, right there in between the full roster introduction and the presentation of the Cardinals hall of famers. Those, I mean, because we know those three guys are Hall of Famers. They're going to be Hall of Famers day one. You know, Wayno is one of the most accomplished pitchers in the history of the franchise. Yachty is the most accomplished catcher in the history of the franchise on his way to Cooperstown. And Albert certainly on his way to Cooperstown. And all of his greatness happened in St. Louis. So all of that was great. And it was, a, a, I mean, a, a, a perfect lead up to a game that wound up basically being the perfect opening game. Again, no big mistakes, no real big issues. Um, even a couple of guys that didn't get any hits that went over hit a couple of balls hard. Now we all again we all understand the context. 
The Pirates are brutal. I'm going to talk about them a little bit lo- later on, but wow. <laughs> that lineup is thin. I, I mean, it, it's, it is remarkably thin. And, you know, seeing a guy like Kevin Newman batting fifth, and I'm sorry, look, if, if, if if, if if by any chance any Pirates players are listening, I'm sorry. I really am. I apologize in advance. You're major league players. You've earned your spot. But when a dude who hit five home runs in 517 at-bats last year is batting fifth, a dude that had a 574 OPS last year is batting fifth, that is a weak-ass team. And that is a weak lineup. And of course, the Pirates have him playing shortstop in part, you know, because he can catch the baseball, but also because they didn't want to start the clock on O'Neill Cruz, their top prospect, who's also a shortstop. So they're going to play the service time game, I guess. Which, you know, I mean, everybody's incentivized to do when their team is bad anyway. But this team is bad. Like, I, I think. The only two players in that lineup. No, I don't think. I'm confident in saying this. The only two players in their lineup that should be starters at the major league level were Brian Reynolds and Key Brian Hayes. And Hayes went out of the game in the first inning. Sounds like he might play tomorrow, though. They say that's cramping in his forearm. So that's 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 good news for them. But that's it. You know, Vogelbach, look, man. First of all, what... what? I was about to say this in a mean way. I guess I'll probably say it in a mean way anyway. As a, as a heavy person myself, why is the fat guy batting leadoff? I mean, I, again, I, I'm not pointing it. I'm, I'm not trying to be mean at all because, like, look, you see me, you know, like, it's, I'm not exactly Mr. Skinny. But it's not just that. I mean, he's a 29-year-old guy who has never been an impactful player in the major leagues. And he's batting leadoff, I guess, because he he had a good 2019 season in Seattle. And, and good is relative. I mean, he walks a lot. I give him that. I guess that's why he's up there. But man, like I said, when, when you got when you got Kevin Newman batting fifth, how's this big dude that might hit one over the fence every once in a while batting leadoff? I, I, whatever, whatever. It doesn't matter, right? I mean, it, they're they're bad. But that's kind of the point. Your your 200 and whatever 70 pound DH is batting leadoff. And your five home run shortstop is batting fifth. Well, so I, I say all that, and I'm going to stop picking on them for now because I'm going to pick on them again a little later on. Not because of what these guys are, because I, I do feel bad. I'm, I'm I'm being serious. I don't I don't feel good making fun of major league players because these guys are major leaguers, but they're not starters. They're not guys that should be in the opening day lineup for a major league team. But obviously, their ownership isn't trying. Their ownership would rather take all of the extra money that comes in and just put it in their pocket and walk out. They would rather do that than put a better product on the field. So hopefully, the Cardinals will take full advantage of that uh, as we go forward over the course of the next few days because you got an opportunity. You know, the only thing, you know, early wins mean the same amount as September wins. So stack them up if you can. So here are a few things that I want to get to tonight. I, I want to talk a bit about this. Actually, I was kicking this around with a few different people yesterday in the press box. 
um, because obviously Adam Wainwright was the starter. And, you know, not only is he an amazing performer, you know, a Cardinals Hall of Famer, if not for injuries, we might be having the conversation about Cooperstown. And who knows? He sticks around, you never know. But clearly one of the one of the two or three best pitchers in the history of the Cardinals franchise in terms of accomplishments. But he's more than that. He's also the, the spokesman for the team. He is by far the best voice on the team in terms of knowledge, willingness, and ability to talk, being funny, being down to earth. Can, you know, I, I can promise you fans listen to him talk and they connect with that. And I want to get into this a little later on, but who's the next guy to be that? And I don't know that we would have known that Wayno was that guy when he was a rookie in 2006. I mean, we figured it out not long after that, but you wouldn't have known it at the time. So we'll talk about that a little bit later on. Like, who is the next personality of the Cardinals when that time comes? And I'm not going to bring up the R word with Wayno. It's definitely not to him because he doesn't want to. He doesn't want to be asked about it all the time. But at some point, that's going to be the case. You know, Yachty is one of the faces of the franchise, of course, but he's not really one of the voices of the franchise. He's a quiet guy by nature, so different kind of guy. So I want to get to that. I want to talk about Jordan Hicks as the fifth starter. We haven't had a chance to do that on air yet. Did a little bit on Twitter. I don't understand why people are surprised by this choice. I don't understand why people are mad about it. The, the angry reaction seems to be, well, this is stupid. You should have just spent $25 million on a different guy. Well, okay, but how many times are we going to relive the past, man? You are where you are at the moment. Let's talk about that. And when we get later in the year, we can talk about what you need. Like, well, this is stupid. You're going to make him the starter when they should have signed Stroman. Well, they didn't. They didn't. We are living in now, like in this. We don't live in an alternate universe where Loki is an alligator and Marcus Stroman is a cardinal. Let's talk about the now. So we'll get into the details on that. Uh, we're going to talk a bit about why it's hard not to panic early in a season like this, uh, even though there's no reason to panic for the Cardinals. Up next, though, I want to talk about, to me, three key areas for the Cardinals for these first two months. So April and May will be my focus when we come back on KMOX. <music> A couple of quick things here. I want to talk a bit about the Cardinals. Uh, big To me, the, the key areas of the team. It's not about one particular player in a couple of cases. But the key areas of the team for the first couple of months of the season. But before I do that, I just saw this on Twitter. And it's from about a half hour ago. But uh, I, I and I do. I normally I hate. Picking fun up, making fun of or picking on professional athletes when it comes to their routines and what gets them ready and all that. But I found this to be a little ridiculous today. So if you didn't notice it or didn't see or you know haven't checked a box score or anything, uh, the Yankees beat the Red Sox six to five in eleven innings. Uh, Garrett Cole started for the Yankees. He got he got off to a bad start. His first inning was shaky. He wound up giving up three earned runs in four innings of work. And after the game. Part of his explanation for, you know, what went on was um, that the delayed start to the game was, quote, an unforeseen challenge for him. The festivities, as he said, got a little away from the schedule. 
the game started four minutes late. Four minutes late. I mean, look, if it was 15, 20 minutes, I think he'd have a valid point. Hey, look, the Cardinals game started late yesterday. Would they start like 12 minutes later? I want to say it, it was supposed to it was supposed to be a 3:15. I want to say they didn't start till like 3:27, something like that. But whatever, it, it started late, and I know you know, you know Wayno didn't say a word. He was fine, and and it's not about that. I mean, look, I know again, it's the difference between playing the Red Sox and the Pirates. I mean, believe me, I'm not comparing the two. But four minutes, bro, just keep that part quiet. Because if that, seriously, because if that throws you off, all right. I mean, look, some players are very, you know, remember Dave Duncan a couple of times talked about how, you know, if something went wrong, I think the one example he used, and I think he was kidding, but who knows, maybe he was serious. Like if he used to say about Jaime Garcia, that, it, or he said it at least one time that, you know, if his room service is off at the hotel, it'll ruin his whole day and, and impact his pitching. I get it. Some people are very routine oriented, but four minutes you should be able to adapt for like, what do you do if you're the visiting team and your team's at bat goes four minutes longer than you thought it would? I mean, you literally do this every time you start on the road. You start with an undefined first pitch. Just don't say that out loud because you're just going to get made fun of for it. All right, let's be a little more serious for a minute. There are a couple of things I want to get into um, related to the Cardinals and the first couple of months. I'm not going, I've already done the whole season preview thing. I already talked about the big picture. I want to focus on these first couple of months, uh, especially April, because you've got all the extra arms in the pen and you've got some advantages you won't have later in the year. But I want to touch on a few things. One of them is, to me, the importance of Miles Michaelis and Dakota Hudson. You know, the, these are both guys that have the ability to be impact pitchers. I mean, we, we've seen them both when they're healthy, and they, they both are healthy today. You know, every pitcher is at risk, as we've seen with Jacob deGrom and, and Lance Lynn and everybody else. You know, you're, you're, as a pitcher, you are always at risk for injury. So I don't think we have to, like, complicate this too much, but they're healthy now, and a, and a healthy Miles Michaelis is an important guy because that's the guy that's going to go out and get you 180 to 200 innings. And you're going to need that. Now, I don't know if he's going to be the guy from 2018 with the 283 ERA or the guy from 2019 with the 416 ERA or something in between there, which is actually probably where I would peg him. I'd probably peg him for a 3738 ERA this year, which is, by the way, not coincidentally his career ERA at this point. But you know what he is. He's a strike thrower. He's an innings eater. He's a quality starter. And based on what we've seen from Dakota Hudson in the major leagues when he's been healthy, he's the same kind of guy. Neither one of them are big strikeout guys. Neither one of them are going to blow you away with velocity. But Dakota Hudson has a 314 ERA in the major leagues. That's in 69 games and 41 starts. He has a 314 earned run average. Now, his fielding independent, not that good. It's in the fours. So he's been helped by the defense. But guess what? What do you think he has around him with his current team right now? He's got a damn good defensive team. And I think they're going to need those guys to be able to, especially the first couple of months, and the reason I'm focusing on that for the pitching side is because then we'll have, by then we'll have a better idea of what's up with Flaherty. Once you can get him healthy, assuming you can, 
Well, then, okay, one of these guys, you know, if they go on a 10-day or 15-day IL stint, all right, not the end of the world. But I do think that those guys are important to get you 27, 28 starts at least from each of them. And if you, to me, if that happens, this pitching staff is going to be really good. You know, because it's been a while that we've seen the two of them pitch in a full season, we have this, you know, difficulty in picturing it, right? It's been since 2019 since both of them were healthy. So, yeah, I mean, it, you know, you've had two seasons where obviously short year and injuries for both of them in 2020, and then, of course, injuries that carried into last year too. But I think they're a critical element in these first couple of months. Keep the team stable. Don't don't rely too much on some of the bullpen parts that are not as reliable as the guys you're going to count on later in games and go from there. Another thing I'm really interested in is the catching mix early in the year. You know, Yachty reported late to spring training and only had a couple of weeks to get ready. And look, you know, he's already had a couple of years of offensive decline. I mean, you know, you we don't have to call it. Maybe you don't want to call it decline, or if somebody doesn't want to call it decline, okay, that's fine. Um, I'll, I'll listen to that. But the last two years, the offense has, the numbers have fallen off. And I'm going to be interested to see if he, if he does get more rest this year. And then what does that do? For his offensive performance. Is he a better hitter if he's a little bit more rested? Because Molina has, and I think rightfully, prided himself on being an everyday guy. Like literally everyday. Like if I'm healthy, I'm playing. And I respect that, man. And I think that that's been a valuable thing over the course of his Cardinals career. But you got a 27-year-old catcher on the roster with him that really is going to need to have an opportunity to to show you what he's capable of to help you decide what you want to do for next year. And, you know, if Andrew Kisner gets a little more playing time, maybe his bat comes around because he does have some offensive ability. He was a really good hitter in the minor leagues and was, by the way, a really good hitter as a third baseman before he converted to catching. Like, he's, he's, a, he's a pretty good offensive He's got a good offensive skill set. We haven't seen it in the major leagues because we've never seen him get any kind of regular at-bats. So how does the catching mix sort out, especially early? And is it important because of, of Yachty's age and you know what, the, what you're trying to do, which is make a run into October, is it important is it important at all to get him the more rest so that he's ready for October if, if and when you get there. And I fully expect him to be there. So I think those are going to be interesting factors to look at here in the early couple of months. I got one more I want to get to. And Yachty's involved in this too, but he's not alone. What do we expect or what do we need to see out of the fifth, sixth, and seventh spots in the order for the team to be as productive as it can be? We'll talk a bit about that next on KMOX. Welcome back to the Meyer Jensen Sports Open Live. Swing it along with the left. That's a grand slam for Yadier Molina. You bet! With special reports from Cardinals Camp and the T.R. Hughes Homes Broadcast Center, this is Sports Open Line on KMOX. 
dive in a little more baseball here. We talked a bit about uh, the pitching side of things and the catching already. It's just things that things that I think are key to the first couple of months. This next one might be a key for the whole year, um, and it might be the difference maker between you know this lineup being pretty good and being really good. I don't think that there's a this lineup's not going to be bad. I wouldn't. I would. I'd be shocked. But all of those kinds of statements, by the way, are barring entry. It gets tiresome to keep repeating it, but you have to because otherwise people yell at you on Twitter. And I prefer to just avoid all that if I can. But the lineup's going to be all right. It's going to be at, at worst. It's going to be okay. But if it's going to be really good, then the five, six, and seven spots need to be good, and they need to be better than they were last year. So we'll see, you know, and I, and they can change, you know, as of right now, five, six, seven, Albert Pujols, Paul DeYoung, Yadier Molina. Last year, DeYoung and Molina were a, a, a pretty regular part of that mix, you know, that five, six, seven mix. And really last year after the number four spot is where the offense started to lag a little bit and, or I should say the lineup started to lag a little bit and I think it, it it it's something that should be better this year, but let's see. I think that, you know, does Harrison Bader hit enough to move himself into that mix? I think he might. And keep in mind, by the way, guys, this this thing, this question, this has nothing to do with yesterday. <laughs> it has nothing to do with whether, you know, like Bader and Edmund combined to go three for eight yesterday, uh, which they did. I, I don't, I'm not worried about that. That's good, by the way. Three for eight's good. Um, I'm not worried about the fact that you know, Albert and DeYoung and Molina went over 12 combined. I don't, I mean, that's not the point. The The point really is if they can get more out of those spots, but in particular, the number five spot, the number five spot has been a problem spot in the lineup for the Cardinals for a little bit. And the DH creates now an opportunity to maybe fix that. I think Albert looks like, if he's anything close to what he was last year against left-handed pitching, against lefties, he's a good fit in the number five spot. We know yesterday he was starting against righties, and he did have a couple of balls that he hit pretty hard yesterday. But he's not, the, the plan is not for him to be out there all the time. The plan is for him to be out there against lefties all the time, and then we'll see. And this is where we're going to obviously combine the production of Pujols, Dickerson and D and and Newt Bar. If the three of them mixing and matching based on matchups, lefty righty, or as Derek Gould described to us here on the show a week and a half ago, um, or maybe it was a week ago. It might have been last Friday. Yeah, I think it was. It was last Friday. As he described it, you know, Dickerson against pitchers that live at the bottom of the zone, sinker ballers, uh, Newt Bar more against the high the high four seam fastball guys. Albert against the lefties. If that spot can be even solid, like middle of the pack in terms of production from the number five spot across major league, I think that would be a a really good sign that the offense can remain consistent all season long. Now in a perfect world, at some point somebody seizes that job or the combination of these guys is elite. I mean, that's what you'd, you know, it's what you'd love in an ideal world. And maybe later in the year, Juan Yepes is in this mix. Maybe it's Nolan Gorman later in the year. But I really do think that the fifth spot, whether that is the DH or a, a resurgent Paul DeYoung or Harrison Bader working his way up into that kind of a conversation, it doesn't matter to me who it is or what it is. But I do think the five, six, seven 
is going to need to be better than it was last year for your offense to reach its potential. Now, again, keep in mind, I know you know I've pointed this out a number of times. Last year's offense was better than you would think looking at the plain old regular numbers. Bush Stadium suppresses offense. Look, it did yesterday, man. There are a couple balls hit yesterday. Ar- Arenado had one home run. He could have had two. He hit a ball yesterday to left center field, caught right on the warning track in front of the bullpen that in some ballparks is a home run. And by the way, with the wind blowing the way that it was yesterday, that ball might have been out on a normal day. You know, that kind of thing's not unusual at Bush Stadium. It's a tough hitter's park. So keeping in mind that, you know, the lineup was actually better than the raw numbers tell you, and you can tell that by looking at the uh, the, the ballpark-adjusted numbers, you know, that, that we're not talking about trying to make a difference from being a problem to being an asset. The, the lineup should be an asset, and certainly, you know, the defense for this group is going to be an asset. I mean, there's no reason for any real defensive decline from any of these players. So if there's more there, five, six, and seven than there was in the past, especially when you, you know, you've added a, a, a spot where you're going to have a real hitter in the lineup every game instead of a pitcher, then this could get fun. Like it could, it, I think it has the potential to be a really fun offense. There's plenty of speed. And I think you, you're in, a, you know, with the lineup construction we saw yesterday, which I know isn't going to be there every day. You know, Oliver Marmol has, has been very clear that, you know, they can play matchups that might, the lineup might, all, might, might not always be the same, which is fine. But I really like the big speed guys at the bottom of the order. I like everything about it. I like the fact that it kind of opens you up to try to swipe some more bags because you're stealing in front of the leadoff man instead of stealing in front of Goldie or O'Neal or Arnado, which is, again, maybe a little bit too risky with those guys up there. Let them hit a double into the gap and you score. And that brings me to another part, you know, with Bader and Edmund, even if they're not stealing bases, those are guys that advance from first to third on a single, that, that score from first on a double, that will score from second on a single. Even a regular, even one that might not be as easy for other players, it's easier for them because they can flat out fly. And I think, you know, a lot about lineup construction is about how the pieces work together and complement each other. And I love the top four. And I, again, it's going to change at times, I'm sure. You know, if, if Carlson's not swinging it well or whatever, uh, and you want to try somebody else in the leadoff spot, totally get it. But man, do I like that top four Carlson, Goldschmidt, O'Neill, and Arenado in that order. I think they complement each other well. But I do think that what follows Nolan Arenado in the cleanup spot is going to be a big key to follow here in the first couple of months. All right, so let's let's do one more quick thing on um, – well, it's not really about this week. It's not about opening day, but it's related to the opening day starter, Adam Wainwright. Who's the next Wainwright? And I'm not trying to push him into retirement. Look, the way he threw yesterday – Come on back and pitch in 2023. <laughs> like, let's help, let's go. Keep going. But eventually, we're going to be asking that question. I'm not talking about at the top of the rotation either. There, there are guys that that can easily do that. I mean, that's obviously what you hope Jack Flaherty's going to be if you can get him back and be keep him healthy on a regular basis. He's gonna be he's already the most talented. Flaherty is already the most talented starter on the roster in terms of stuff. But who's the big personality after Adam Wainwright? 
Do you even need that? I don't know. I mean, that might be a that might be a media guy question because we love talking to Wayno because it's always entertaining. There's always something good in there. It's always a laugh. You know, it's kind of the same thing. Like Lance Berkman was that guy too. Like Berkman would always give you these really great detailed answers, and there's always a joke in there somewhere too. And you know, this this yesterday listening to to Wainwright talk really got me thinking about that. I don't know that we know the answer to it, but I do think it'll be something they're going to have to find at some point. We'll talk a bit about his role on the team, not just as a as a top of the rotation starter, but also as one of the voices of the team. We'll get to that next up on KMLX. All right, so one more bit of conversation about the cards this hour. Next hour, I'm going to get into the Jordan Hicks fifth starter thing. And I'm really struggling with why this is a big deal to, to a certain segment of the fan base. And I guess it probably comes back to the same thing. If you didn't spend money on it, it's not good enough. I, I don't know. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's not. But I, I think the explanations that I've heard make sense. You know, the explanations from John Mosellock and from uh, Ali Marmel. Uh, I, I think that, you know, what they're saying is is these are common sense things and it's a reaction to an injury. It wasn't really the plan. So we'll get into that top of the next hour because I'm not really sure I understand the I'm not sure I understand all the hubbub on the Twitter. I'm not sure why everybody's so angry about it. But we'll we'll get to that in a minute. Um I, I've I've talked about this with a couple of different people and they will remain nameless because I did not tell them that I was going to talk about it on the air. I talked about this with some people at the ballpark yesterday, probably four three, four, five different people at different points about, you know, who's who's the next kind of on-field voice of the Cardinals? Because, look, in the broadcast booth, John Rooney, Dan McLaughlin, they're the voices of the Cardinals, right? You know, the front office, it's Mo, it, it's it's the manager, it's Oliver Marmol. I, I think it's it's clear who those people are. But, like, on the roster... Who's the next voice of the staff, of the pitching staff in particular? Who's the next guy that's kind of the go-to? Because, it's look, it's been Wainwright for so long, and he's so good at it. And trust me, I'm not trying to, you know, push him out of the of the mix or anything like that. I'm not trying to, like, let's, let's do this and figure it out now. I'm just curious because what struck me about, what strikes me about him all the time is just how much he gets it. And it's not a new thing. It's just something that I that maybe is something I'm appreciating more as we get closer to the end at some point. It's something that I'm appreciating more, maybe in part because everything's more in person now and it's not just a zoom and you know, it just it makes a bigger impression. I don't know. Maybe that's all it is. And you know, it's really hard to forecast that in advance. I mean, if it, if you said in 2006 is Adam Wainwright going to be the next voice of the Cardinals, the face of the roster, you know, the voice of the of the of the major league team or of the pitching staff? I don't know. He was a kid, so I don't know that we know who it is. I just wanted to bring this up because uh, it it's another reminder not only how great that he's been as a as a performer, as a leader of a pitching staff, as a number one starter but also how important it is to have that guy. Because that guy, you guys, believe it or not, that guy takes a lot of pressure off other guys. Having the go-to veterans in the clubhouse that all of us can bother 
takes some of that heat off of other dudes. And a guy like, you know, Wayno is so natural about it. it. Again, there's a similarity there with with Lance Berkman. Berkman was similar that it was just a, it was something that was easy for him. And it's not easy for everybody. And it's based on your personality. And there's no right or wrong. Like if, if you're a quiet person by nature, you're probably not going to love that role of being a team spokesperson. But obviously, Wayno is anything but quiet. He's, he's not a shy guy. He, he's very friendly. He's smart. He's outgoing. And he, he has a really good way of delivering messages. Uh, you know, again, he's such a positive guy, but he, you know, he understands what fans need and want to hear. You know, understanding that is important. And it's important to realize too, that it doesn't matter really what we think the ones that are holding microphones, we're not the ones that really matter because we're just the conduit. You're, you're using us to talk to the fans, to let them see your face, hear your voice, hear your tone of voice, all of those things. And they're all, they all matter in this conversation. So I don't know, maybe I just wanted to spend a minute or two appreciating what he is by asking that question. Though, I think it's important to point out that maybe there isn't that guy. I mean, like Miles Michaelis has a, has that kind of personality. He's funny. He's honest and open. He's a really, really good talker and all that, but you know, he's not a young dude. He's not a 24, 25-year-old guy that can have the presence for the next 8 to 10 years or you know, like the way Wayno has, you know, since 2006 for the last 16 years. So I don't know that we need to figure out who that is. That was just kind of my way of making the point that I am going to, and I think we all should, make sure that we really appreciate every one of these days. And look, I hope I hope Wayno decides... Hope he, first of all, I hope he has a good year. And then at the end of it, decides he wants to play again in 2023. That would be amazing. I don't think there's anybody out there that's, that wants him to go anywhere. It's, it's a question that gets asked a lot, though, because he is such a popular guy, and he has been such a good performer. All right, we're going to change gears coming up in the next hour. We're going to talk about the fifth starter spot opening the year, with it being Jordan Hicks. And why is this such a... Why is it such a thing? Why are people mad about this? And I'll explain kind of what it is when we come back. 